0: Son, what did I tell you about sitting next to the door? But dad, it's really hot out. Then sit next to the air conditioning vents, put an ice cube on your head, go for a dip in the pond, fan yourself with your hand. Anything. I just don't want to see you by this door again, or you'll be grounded. I... I guess. Good, now, scamper. Anywhere else. In the house, outside the house, doesn't matter. But, Dad, what's behind the door? I... I don't know. Then why won't you let me sit by it if you don't know what's behind it? I... Okay. I think you're old enough. Promise me that whatever I tell you now you're not gonna repeat at school or anywhere else, okay? I promise. Alright, so, uh, 20 years ago, when I moved in here with your aunt's, this door, well, it didn't exist. That doesn't make any sense. No, son, it doesn't. Was the part of the house that's beyond it there? That's... I don't remember, but the door wasn't there. But how could the door be put here if the if the rest of the house wasn't there? Listen, um... This will be a lot easier if you wait to ask questions until the end, okay? Okay. Alright, so, 20 years ago, when both of your aunts were living here... Um... I was just back from boot camp. Got kicked out for being too insubordinate. But that's neither here nor there. I needed a place to live. Had no money, and my dad wouldn't take me back in. Honestly, that was good for me, good for you. My dad wasn't a very nice person, but like I was saying, my sisters had this place that they'd inherited from our grandmother, so I dropped by to try and pick myself up. Got my job over at the lot, and things were going good. This was before you met Mom, right? Just a little bit before. What I'm about to tell you was the kick in the pants I needed to pluck up my courage and go looking for. But that's another story for another time, and I'm already getting lost all over the place. Didn't I tell you to keep your questions until the end? Yeah. Sorry. Don't worry, I'll I'll get to them, it's just if you ask them now, we'll keep getting lost. I get it. Okay, so I'd move back here. Things were a bit messy with your aunts for a little bit, since I still hadn't gotten my childish messiness out of me. Not yet, anyways. We'd have little fights about it all the time, but we were still family, and none of us were our father, so we got along all right. A lot of the time we just wouldn't see each other, since we all had work at different hours. But things were good. Things were good. That was until I started getting the dreams. All of my dreams since moving here were pretty normal, mind you The usual stuff you think of when you think of dreams being naked at a test, running from a sharp-toothed beast, waiting at a stoplight for 15 hours, being invited backstage with the Grateful Dead back in their primes, you know, stuff like that. But these dreams, I don't know. There was a sort of quality to them, like they were more real than any of the dreams I ever had before. I'd be crossing this... Vast, white, arctic wasteland for a real long period of time, just cold. Then the wind would pick up, lashing all about, getting snow in my face and in my mouth. But the snow wasn't crisp and clean like the snows we get here. It was dull and dirty, as though mud had been mixed into it. And this would go on for hours and hours, me walking through the ice, getting it kicked up in my face, and then it would get so cold that I could no longer move my limbs so I just sank into the snow. Wow, that's... that's real scary. Yep, night after night, and the dreams would only end when I felt every single bit of warmth drain out of my body without it melting even a single flick of that snow. Bizarre and ultimately pointless. But then it started getting uncharacteristically cold round about the farm. This was deep in the middle of summer. Highs were sometimes below 70, when you know that they never go below 90. Never. So, I, I started getting weirded out. I told my sisters about my dreams, but they told me I was just being crazy, that the stress from getting cast out of the forces was making me hallucinate in my sleep. I believed them, but the dreams continued. Then one day, as I was getting back from work, I decided I was going to go take a shower. One of my sisters was using the downstairs one, so I decided to pop up over here. Use that one down the hall. But then I saw it. This door. Just there. It freaked me out just completely. Because, you gotta understand, it didn't exist before. We hadn't talked about adding any rooms to the house. I mean, we didn't need to. So, needless to say, I was freaked out. I immediately went to find my sisters, told them about what I saw. They didn't believe me, but they humored me, so they followed to go check. Then they saw it. And I felt it the cold thick then sharp as iron brittle as ice just little gusts of it passing through at the moment much like it does right now but we weren't used to it when you first feel it maybe you remember but when you first feel the sticky sharp touch of that cold it hits something deep in your skin then you get over it of course but then it's just there And so we sat there, wondering at it, much like you do now. But we were adults back then, just as we're adults now. And adults were scared of more things, I guess. Wisdom from time built up in us makes us value our safety a little more. So we didn't try and open the door. Not then. We called the police. The police, of course, well, they thought it was all a prank that we were playing on them. Of course, doors don't magically appear in buildings, spouting out cold. So, they didn't come. We called the local priests. Even Charles, the Baptist one, he didn't come. It was just in this weird, ominous door. We tried to ignore it, then. It wasn't doing anything besides making the hallway a bit uncomfortable and making us chip in an extra dollar or two for the heating. But it kept getting worse. There's a lot of things in the world like that. You can often ignore problems because it's easier to do so, but then with time... With time, the air in the hallway got below freezing. Little chinks of frost appeared in the walls and the ceiling, and the floorboards groaned and croaked incessantly. We kept turning the heater up, but eventually it just couldn't match the chill that came out of that thing. And it wouldn't have helped the outside anyway. It was fall. You don't usually see it get cold around here in the fall for a reason. But the door made things wrong that were supposed to be right, and it started snowing in the middle of October. Everywhere around the house, the plants started dying. We tried to cover them up, tried to bring in more heaters, everything, but the door just kept getting colder. Eventually, we moved all of us into the guest house, and that's when I got in my head to do something about it. I tried opening the door. Did it open? No, it didn't. We all knew the cold was coming from there, and if it kept getting worse, all the crops would be dead, and we'd be in huge debt. So I got a bit more serious, shoved my whole body weight into it, tried to pick the lock. Your aunt sang prayers around it, and it still refused to do anything but coat the world in its deathly chill. So we retreated to the guest house and hoped that the bizarre weather which was gripping more and more of the region was simply a natural coincidence, and that this door, well, doors don't appear out of nowhere spearing the cold of Cactus. The cold hell. So, we refused to believe the door, even as it crippled more and more of our lives. The entire town became coated in sharp, brittle snow. Cold fronts hit most of the coast, ruining the end of the harvest season. And finally, the roads iced over. And we couldn't make it into town anymore. That's when we really freaked out. We couldn't leave the property. This was the only one that we had. We maybe had some friends in town that could take us in, but past that? If the cold continued growing deeper and stronger, we'd have to flee across the globe, and and then... And then, Mary went back into the house, her face stricken by an epiphany we couldn't understand. We followed her, of course. You wouldn't have recognized the place. It was more a white cascade of false frost and sword-sharp cold than a home. The only reminder we could find of the fact that we once lived in this place was the vague shape of the furniture in the stairwell. She climbed up, her face solemn, her limbs pounding with a force that made no sense in the bitter chill. We tried to match her, but she managed to keep herself 30 feet ahead. And then... She stopped right in front of the door. "'Don't follow me,' she said. She was frightful, but not mournful. "'I won't come back. Don't follow me.'" And of course, to this madness, we picked up pace, screaming at her that she had lost her mind, that there was a solution to this, something that someone would figure out, and one flick of the wrist. She opened the door, and the cold bellowed out of there like thunder from the sky. It was so sharp it practically sliced through my cloven. The mounds of fluffy frost that coated the stairwell froze into a solid, slick sheet in only a second. So fast I lost my grip and collided to the floor. And it was so cold that I could hardly see, hear, anything. Just the cold. Only the cold. It was so bitter it made no sense, and I hated it. I hated it so much, but... But Mary... She went in, and as soon as her foot passed beyond the threshold, this door slammed with the force of a thunderclap straight in our faces. Tasha screamed. I growled and grunted, trying my darndest to move the demonic thing by the force of my arms and my weight. It did no good. Adrenaline pumped my heart so hard I feared it would burst. I rushed down to the tool shed and grabbed everything I thought could make a dent into it, or maybe force it back open. Shovels, hatchets, even a rake. nothing Nothing could wrench it forward, and when I took the axe blade to it, it chipped it chipped it a little, see? Right there? It's not a big chip. Exactly. Not a big chip. But the axe was sharp, and I was putting everything I had into it. All my strength. Blow after blow after blow at this thing for maybe twelve whole minutes. And nothing. I burned my muscles so badly I felt like I was on fire even while I stood in front of the deathly cold. Teresa called the fire department. They couldn't get over the road's iced, and it wouldn't have mattered anyway. There was no opening this door back up. But then just as sudden as the storm started all those days back, they stopped. All the false blood I stopped churning out, the shrieking from downstairs felt less than a whisper. Heat from the sun slipped in here, there, everywhere, just in one moment. I would have felt like I ought to cry with joy, but I just took it as a sign that we had to try again. I chopped and chopped some more, then collapsed on the ground a mess, shouting to heaven for the strength to get through. Then, Teresa just opened the door. Went with the hand. wasn't like we hadn't tried that. Something had changed. Something Mary made change. But what we saw beyond... What? Nothing. Just a bland, empty, frozen waste spanning from here to the end of our sights. I didn't even have the power left to stand up, so your aunt went in after her. She didn't go far before she came back, deadly frightened her eyes. She said that the further she went out there, the greater the winds picked up, that they were calling her name, beckoning her out there to nowhere. Real freaky stuff. Once i gotten back on my feet, I tried the same. Didn't hear anything, but the further I went out into the icy storm, the more I felt deep in my gut that if I stayed, it would come back, that Mary's... that Mary's sacrifice would be in vain. So that's it. After that day, we never spoke about the door again. Never went back out into the wastes. We thought of calling up the authorities a couple of times, but they wouldn't believe us, and even if they did, what could they do? What could a soldier's boot do out there that mine couldn't? Whatever thing was out there, they'd just tempt it. Seal all of our deaths. And that's it. That's the door. As much a portal to hell as exists in your storybooks, but much worse, In stories, hell is something that you can fight, that you can tempt into being something else. And the entire time, your struggle has meaning. The door is nothing like that. Real hell is nothing like that. It just takes and takes and takes, and when you ask it why it has eaten everything you have ever loved, it does not even acknowledge that you asked the question. Dad. Yes? Why'd you make up that story? Isn't it kind of mean? I... I didn't make up that story, Daniel. I swear on my heart. But you can't be telling the truth. There's not another world beyond that door that lets out snowstorms. There's no demon in the house. And Aunt Mary died in a car crash. That's what we say. But we... We made a fake body for her funeral. You're just lying to me, Dad. Cut it out. No, I'm telling the truth. All of it. All that I know. Why would I lie about this? I loved Mary very much, but everyone else wouldn't understand. They needed an explanation, something to make sense to them. I think I'm going to open the door. No! It's alright, I was just kidding. (laughs) If it means so much to you, I won't open it. That's... uh. That's really kind and wise for you to say. I'm proud. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. I think I'm going to go swimming. Sounds like a good idea. You coming? Nah, well, maybe. I'm going to sit and think about the door for a while. You really believe that story, don't you? I wouldn't believe it if I could, but some things you simply can't forget, and you'll keep believing them forever. But don't worry about me. Have a nice afternoon. It's summer break. Yeah, I think I'll go. Be safe. The creaking of footsteps on a wooden floor, the cold beat of frost from beyond the door, A horrible feeling of guilt at having told my son the terrible tale, and a separate, different feeling of guilt for telling it in such an inept way that he didn't believe it. Oh well. Long as he never attempted to open the door. More creaking. The sound of the floor door opening and closing. A little breath of relief falling involuntarily from my lungs. Finally alone, I walked over to the thermostat and turned the air conditioner on full blast. The energy bill wouldn't be pretty, but it would give me the alibi I needed. Then all I needed was to slip on my coat and fur boots, hidden at the back of my closet. I then returned upstairs to watch Daniel walk down to the pond, make sure he was safe. I waited until I could see him running around, scaring off the ducks. He never turned back to look at me watching. Good. Finally. My hand fell on the doorknob, the cold jolting me to my senses. There was no luxury so foul or intense as that chill. It coursed through every inch of my veins as a venom, pulled into my chest by the pulsation of my heart. One little twist of the wrist. The metal gave with a click. A great gust of sickly cold air smacked me in the face. Pain. All of it was pain, the distortion of the chaos of life into the eternal order of death. The dunes stretched forth far past my vision, and likely stretched forevermore. I had thirty minutes or thereabouts before I figured he'd get tired and try and check up on me, just to figure out if I was truly sane. And perhaps I was. (sighs) Sixteen years, and I still hadn't found her. 16 years that she'd have to scrape out a living in the eternal gray arctic but i refused to give up if the dreams told me anything it was that in the order of death there was no hunger no desire a place you could live forever without living so she was out there i had to tell myself that it should have been me That was the only thing I could tell myself as my boots crunched upon another league of ice and sand. It should have been me. South this time. Maybe one day our paths would cross again. Step by step, step by step, an idiot's plea for some benevolence in the universe. But was this even my universe? Everything the cold, the dust, the longing. Everything screamed for me to go snuggle up in my bed, forget all of this forever. Let it remain a curious, cold door that messed with the energy bill. Let that be it. But even as the frostbite crept its way through my flesh, carving its way through my lungs, I kept pressing forward, eyes eternally scanning for a change. Something different, something new. Something from a place where things were chaotic enough to make sense. But no. It was only me. A dozen times I brought fire of various kinds burning on a stick and a hand-held heater a sizzling pan straight from a stove the heat never went further than my body i hated to think that she was still out there and by the shrieking audacity of the wind i understood that she was still here somehow somewhere it was irresponsible of me to risk my life like this again and again the door had been capricious before devoured nearly all of us whole I never lied about that. My presence would anger it, annoy whatever creatures made this place home, maybe even disturb the place itself. And then what? Would it let me leave? Or would it forever draw me in, too? I had the rest of the family to take care of. Daniel still had quite a few years on him before he'd even be able to feed himself. All this longing, this pining for her return, it was all selfish. Even as the wind smacked me about the head with cold sharper than knives, even as the soot and ash that qualified for snow in this place landed on and crippled my shoulders, I was selfish even for striving. I could not imagine a more evil irony. If the devil lived anywhere, it was here, but not just here in the hallway. In my bed, forcing me night in and night out to toss and turn, to hate myself for going too far through the waste, or chastising me for not going far enough. Oftentimes, both faces of the devil would mock me in the same night. Sometimes they would draw me back here to try again, or to sit in bed and hate myself, hate the world, but, more than anything, hate this place. Every sacrifice a selfishness, everything a vice. Not so much a fault of these frozen wastes as it was a fault of my fragile mind. But that the frost was beautiful too, wasn't it? Even if it was rancid on the tongue, even if the wind almost literally bit into my skin, the endless horizon was charming in a way that I couldn't quite grasp, not rationally, anyway. Perhaps it was that realization that called her to keep walking forevermore away. She'd been having troubles before. Maybe this place did not devour her so much as she simply lost herself. No fault of me, no fault of the frost. Nothing to do but go home. Accept the rancid absurdity of the universe and just keep trekking forward. Maybe. I thought I'd struck a nice compromise between all of these horrible ideas. A little bit of time here and there, any direction. But Ike would always go back. Always. No matter how long, no matter how hard the pain of the cold clung to my limbs, I always managed to make my way back. I never got lost, either, not in heading home. So even in the nail-biting chill, I was sort of safe. But then my watch chimed, and I retreated back home. The hinges swung back into place just as my second foot landed on the warm, living hallway. The dust and snow melting back into oblivion in record time, as always, as always. So I stood in what was my house, looking at nothing but a drafted door. Nothing but a cold door and a stupid story. Nothing. Nothing. I took Daniel out for Italian food. He seems to really like ravioli.